So listen, how's your Christmas shopping going? You haven't started yet, have you? Well, fear not, the big interview is here to help solve all your problems. For the football fans in your life, here's three stocking fillers. Firstly, the documentary film of my book, Barca, The Making of the Greatest Team in the World, is now available everywhere on DVD and digital download. Take the Ball, Pass the Ball is the definitive story, we like to say, of the greatest football team ever assembled and features exclusive interviews with Barca's stellar cast of current and ex-players, including that geezer Lionel Messi, Xavi, Andres Iniesta, Thierry Henry, Dani Alves, Gerard Piquet, Carlos Puyol and Sergio Busquets, plus a rare exclusive contribution from Pep Guardiola himself. There, that's that one present sorted. Secondly, my old chum and fellow dandy Jonathan Northcroft has a new book out published by Backpage. These marvellous people that bring you the books, the podcasts. It's called Deadlines and Darts with Delhi and it's Jonathan's World Cup diary from Russia last summer and it's essential reading for the football fan in your life. Finally, check out another Backpage book, Football 2.0, How the World's Best Play the Modern Game by Grant Wall. Through extensive interviews with one player in every key position on and off the pitch, Grant breaks down the technical and tactical revolutions which have transformed football. So, there you have it. Take the ball, pass the ball, deadlines and darts with Delhi, football 2.0. That's not only difficult to say, it's Christmas sorted. Courtesy of your friends at the big interview. You're ho, ho, ho. Welcome. Welcome back to the big interview. Here comes part two of Kevin Bridges' The Return. If you haven't listened to part one, you still can, and I think you damn well should. Kevin and I caught up during his sold-out run at the SECC in Glasgow, which included the taping of his new DVD. It's out now, and if somebody you know and love likes to laugh, it will make a good Christmas present. Thanks to Mr Bridges and to the Hotel Duvan in Glasgow, where once again we hung out for the chat. Vamos! I hope that you know that we've got sponsors now who are Bet365 and they want to know your single greatest memory supporting Celtic. Seville probably, even though it ended, I don't even want to say it ended badly because it was just a great the experience, the whole journey but beating Boa Vista in the semi-final knowing that you were going abroad to watch Celtic in a neutral venue in a European final and that team that we had and going over there actually thinking we're going to win a European trophy because you grew up hearing about the Lisbon Lions and that was the closest I think we'll, we'll ever be again. I didn't go. Did, did many go? As a couple. A couple is. I. <laughs> but that, that whole journey, just going over there and just seeing so many fans and the game, If you, I've never quite brought myself to watch it back because I just feel so gutted for Henrik. No, when he scored, he played amazing. The two goals he scored were just unbelievable and then his face after it when he's holding his silver medal saying, I never, what did he say? I never came here for this or whatever. So, that that was, I don't know if that's the greatest memory though, because how it ended. But I I would I would say Seville, just the whole journey. It was amazing to see us on such a big scale and the quality of the players we had in that team. So I definitely perfect go, go for Seville. It's a good answer. All the day we stopped to ten in a row when Rangers had won nine in a row. Kevin, you know me. Well, it's a strict choice situation you're in. You have to pick one. One probably Seville then. 
But that that day was cause I grew up thinking Celtic just never ever won the league. We won the Scottish Cup against the Airdrie Van Hoy Donk. That was the only time I'd seen us lift a, a trophy. But that day was May the ninth, nineteen ninety eight. I still remember the date. And then the whole stadium was singing "Walk On" and "Perfect Day" by Lou Reed came on. I remember. I think that's the first time I cried at a, a football game. I just get seeing my dad is happy and just watching the whole place when we won the league that day. So, in fact, I'm going to go for that then because it's my earliest, happiest memory. It's funny you reach for that because we'd we've had really lovely experiences since we first sat down in the beginning of you with you, and I, it's hard to pick through them. But we had one recently where we asked Julian Lescott what it was like on the pitch that day against QPR when they won the title. We kind of knew the answer. We said to him, "What did you do instead of celebrating with the goal scorer or running to the fans or a TV camera?" He remembered that the kit men and the physios who helped him through injuries were all died in the role Manchester City supporters. So without a thought, he instinctively ran to them to dive in with people. Like you immediately thought, well, it'll take me away from the civil choices, my dad's happiness. He was like, fuck, think what they'll be feeling right now. And to me, that really moved me, that, that we all know football's beautiful and it does special things to your brain and your heart and it, you can ally it to music or drink or defeat or tears or whatever it is, you know, a, a laugh. Of too. course. But that, that shared, That's a nice touch, though. Shared joy. That's good to hear. But it's like you, it's like you, like you're choosing that because of that shared joy. And it was for my brother as well, because John had grew up right through the nineties, and he he was he's ten years older than me, so he was getting more of a, uh, he would be like seventeen, eighteen, when I'd be seven or eight. So I never fully grasped how grim a time that was. The pain to be a Celtic fan. Mm. So he had really experienced it. His his adolescent years were spent travelling to Brockville. And, finishing fourth and fifth in the league and going all over Scotland watching a poor Celtic team. So to finally see the light at the end of the tunnel when Larson came in and Wim Janssen and the ninth Harold eight. Bratback, we need to mention, of course, he scored the... Harold Bratback pilot. Is that right? Aye, he is, isn't he? Mm. I, don't know, I don't know how I know that, but... I've... Some people say he'd need to be better at finding the runway than... <laughs> Henrik spoke very highly off the camera on soccer and we were speaking a bit more, like... Esoterically about Scottish football and memories that only Celtic fans and him would have, but he was saying, uh, Harold, great guy, and he spoke very highly of him on the park as well. Because you think Larson, he has played up front alongside Ronaldinho, <laughs> Messi, Harold Bratback, Darren Jackson, it's quite a Wayne Rooney, and he's played up. But like when I made that mean spirited joke that you've just exposed for the mean spirited joke that it was about Harold. The point is, in my memory, and I'm not a Celtic fan, was that the frustration, and often it's the case of footballers like this, when they're good enough to either play themselves into good positions or to find what good space and that's then a, miss, I, it's the missing that's frustrating. I remember his debut, he scored four goals and he had a stinker. Like, that has got to be a football first. It was, it was against Kilmarnock, and I remember Larson actually stopped the ball on the line. For, it was almost patronising, it was like, no... Bringing a competition when they're on, but he still, as you say, you, you need to be there. And it's only when you lose a striker that you realise, oh, it wasn't that easy. No, where was where was the guy to tap it in? And then uh, I, I don't want to say anything bad about Harold. So, but Audrey would take him these days. Now, a little birdie, you told me that um, you you. So I started this about an hour ago about being a good communicator. Team talks. I want to talk about team talks. Did you give an inspirational team talk at some stage? Yes. I was drafted in. <laughs> it was the day just after Celtic had beat Motherwell for the treble last season, the the double treble. Um, I got a phone call for Brendan Rodgers saying it's Scott Brown's testimonial tomorrow. He said I usually give a team talk, like a tactical talk, and then I usually give a sort of 
wee minute, get the team in a huddle before we go out, just a wee bit of inspiration. Could you come in? Could you come in and give the inspirational talk before Scott Brown's game against uh, the Republic of Ireland? So I said, of course, but I was like, we need to do it. If we're going to do it, Brendan, we need to do it right. So I said to him, get me a, a get me a tracksuit and a KB on it, get me a clipboard. <laughs> so I was going to the game anyway. I was taking my mum and dad up because it was all the money was going to like, the cancer charities and the Liam Miller fund. So. I bought a box and my parents went up and my girlfriend, it was great. So about 10 minutes before the game, somebody comes and chaps the door saying, can you come down to the dressing room? So the guy hands me a KB tracksuit, my tactical board, and Roger says, "How do you, he pulls me aside in the medical room and he said, how do you want me to introduce you? And I was like, you need to say, like, eh, right, we're bringing in this new coach, he's going to be working very closely with the team for the next couple of seasons. I'm going to, he wants to come in and say a few words. So Roger's he's pissing himself off and I'm going, right, definitely, so... I'm standing outside the dressing room, he's in, saying to the whole team, I'm going to bring this new guy, he's just completed his UA for pro badges, and so so he goes, here he is, right, so I walk in, and obviously, like, Scott Brown, Kieran Tierney, Callum McGregor, all the Scottish and the English ones start laughing when they see it's me, but there's, like, Olivier and Cham and Moussa Dembele, they're thinking, is this the fucking new coach? <laughs> <laughs> the guy's thinking they're fucking boozing this. <laughs> so I just thought the only way to approach something like that is just to get into the character, make it look pantomime ridiculous. So they're laughing, I was like, right boys, silence. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was like, gather in. So I'm getting right into like, the gaffer, you're in. The, the dressing room Celtic part looking at them, I was they're like, gather in. I was like, the gaffer's brought me in because he's worried there's going to be complacency creeping into this dressing room. It's like, you're double treble. It means fuck all if we slip up this afternoon. I was going going for it. I was like, Celtic against Ireland, one of the fiercest rivalries in world football. <laughs> and I was just like... And then, to be fair, I think it was like Tierney and McGregor, they started banging their dressing room. Brilliant. I was like, let's fucking go, boys. And they rolled and I, I left the dressing room just as the Ireland team were in the tunnel. And it was James McLean. He's kind of looking like, oh, fucking hell, Celtic sound up for this. No, it's a testimonial. Then he seen me and we were talking away. I was just going, I was just in for a laugh, and then that was it. So the team came out buzzing, and then that was like, it was a great experience just to go in and could, rally could the troops. Did you do that again? Did, did I, you, I, is it in I, the blood? I, I think you should get me in for a competitive game. I mean, there's there's plenty more inspirational talks in there. We'll have a word with Celtic. It was a good feeling. I've still got my, my KB track and my, my tactical board too. I was going to say, like, if, as much as it was a desperate day for us, it wasn't the Celtic Aberdeen game where you patted me on the head and said, You've done very well getting here, you dirty bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Did did you know that we met before the Aberdeen Cup final? The first of the two. I was just, you should be so proud of your team, Graham, getting this far. And I hope you have a nice day, Graham. It wasn't even that that nice. You you literally reached out and patted me on the head, patronisingly. Was Was I right, though? Done like Was I right? Done like Full time. So the second time, so the second time <laughs> when we had the Scottish Cup cruelly ripped out of our hands, the, the tyranny, you know, attitude, for as much as I hate losing, hate seeing my team like this, really, really gets to me. When when he's done and he goes to hospital and they bring him back and nobody will let him in and he's like, I'm fucking getting back into this ground again. You know, boots in hand, and uh, that, that to me. His was, face when he lifted that trophy. That was fabulous. And he seems to me. I've only ever. I think I've only ever maybe spoken to him once. But also watching him play, I think he's pretty special. Eh? See, I'd never 
I'd never heard of Kieran Tierney until I was doing a, a show and somebody had messaged me saying this young kid at Celtic mm-hmm. is going to be massive. He's looking to change his tickets because he was called into the Scotland under 19 squad or whatever. He had tickets to see me the same night. So I was like, alright, I'll try and sort the guy out. And, and then I'd say maybe even three months after that, he got drafted in to the team. And it was what Ronnie Del- was a lot of Celtic fans will mm-hmm. criticise Ronnie Delia, but he did spot a lot of good players and set up a lot of the spine of the team that done the double treble but Tierney was playing against I think it was FK Mulder or whatever they're called the, remember the, the beaters they beat Celtic in the first I think they beat us twice I'm pretty sure they, they lost it was the third and fourth games in the groups are always against in the double header I think I'm pretty sure we lost both games but I remember watching him that night just going you're the only guy on that part that seems as if he actually cares and it was great football wise to watch but he's more of his, his passion and it was quite a low point not your fault, we're never ever going to see Champions League football again. This is the Europa League. We're getting embarrassed by a team like FK Molder. But I was like, this kid was the only kind of shining light. And then Rogers came in, obviously made him a massive part of the team. The rest is, speaks for itself, know what he achieved. But it's like a Paul McStay kind of thing in it. Like he gets the club, and yeah, and you're closer to them. You know, either that you can equate to things that they like in their life, or if the club's everything to them. And we're all used to loving players that show their passion and feel like you feel you would feel if you were on the pitch. But he can also play in my book. I know that there's a little bit as we speak. There's some debate about you know how he's performed for Scotland or whatever in a position that I want to set aside. That's it's just Scotland's locked on it's it. Temporary. Two, two oh. of the best players recently are in well, Liverpool, Andrew Robertson. Liverpool phoned me up the when they were weighing up <laughs> which one to buy and 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 talked to me about can you watch um, him when he's at, at um, Camp Nou for Celtic and say you know what do you see and. You know, so they they were into that same, and I don't think even when they, I think part of what made them do the deal was, Celtic were very obstructive about you know Tierney and not now and whatever. So how long you've got them for? I'm not. You know, it's the sad thing with being a fan of a team in a smaller league. What the economics of football? You know, there's an expiry date. If you if you've got a golden generation, you know it's one gone two quite seasons tops. Even from Celtic, I think that's what makes a manager good. Though, so you got to constantly. What it's called a cycle mm-hmm. to constantly have to regenerate and like you look at Mourinho and these kind of guys they can just constantly spend money just take whoever they want it's like, it's like playing a football game, a Playstation game mm-hmm. you just go right pick your dream team him 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 I don't really see the, the skill in that style of managing whereas guys at the kind of lower end I don't mean the lower end but guys with Less what, budget. Need less to be budget. And relying on their wits and their yep, brains. Or academies or whatever, no, having to produce young players. Like, we talk about that Barca team 2011. There's something infectious and romantic about a team that have all come through. The, I remember the, the Ajax team, like 95, 96. I remember, I could not, even though I was only young, I could never get my head around how this is like a school team that went on to win the Champions League. Not like David, Seedorf, they all came through at the same time. And then Manchester United with Alex Ferguson. Mm-hmm. I think you're never going to see that again because a manager's never going to get as much time in a job to just go, these are the kids. Might take a couple of seasons, but they're going to be special because you'd just be sacked the managers in, in the premiership kind of world. You're never going to have time to... You're not just saying it's more romantic. You you can spot the way in which these players interact with each other on the pitch in a different special. way it's just because they've grown up together. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Even look, Madrid, right, it's inc- they've won the last three Champions League. It is incredible. But it was never quite... Oh, like for what they achieved they're never going to be spoke about in these terms that that Barcelona team who never ever won three in a row never even won two in a row Champions League but it's, it was just a better I don't know 
it's why you put your finger on why Florentino Perez remains obsessed with. I'm not calling him out here. Crushing Barcelona under his heel because he resents the love that that era was given compared to what he thinks his president should be given because of, you know, repeat but that's Champions League. That's but just Real Madrid feel. It's the superficial. Why are you can't kind of just create that? You can't kind of manufacture that. The Barcelona team was revealed because it redefined football. And as Madrid, statistically, they were more successful than that Barca team, but you're not going to tell your grandkids about that team. Well, it's, it's sad as it is. But it's, it's lucky before you, you finish, but anybody who wants to tell their grandkids about that film will handily have a really well-made film coming out quite soon. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to sit and tell your grandkids, and then this guy got signed for £125 million, <laughs> son. And then this other guy... I remember the so, day... He came through, so we bought him as well, son, and then a billion pound, a billion pound we spent, these plucky underdogs, and look, we should, they won um, every game they should have won for the money. <laughs> it's not a good story to tell, is it? Whereas the academy and the, the managers having the balls to just go, like, like Fergie, Guardiola, uh, who was at Ajax, Van Hal, was it Louis Van Hal? I think he was maybe forced just to have to rely on... He, he was he was very fortunate, players. the guy that, that that's a common theme through a lot of our discussions, in that um, Johan Cruyff had left, had rebuilt the club and redesigned the academy and left not long before Van Hal took over. And therefore, isn't, I'm not calling it only a Cruyff a triumph, um, but a lot of the players who you'd have seen in that team, Van der Sar and Cliver, came into, or, or whoever it was, um, Littman, and came into systems that were designed by the Cruyff idea some of the kids who came through in that academy because also some of them were bought with wit from smaller um, Dutch clubs they, they like Barcelona you, you, can you immediately say it's it, you know Cruyff signed Puyol or Valdez or, no because they were coming into a system whereby he was you know in his last year maybe as his first team coach so he didn't spot them but the system all around Ajax the system all around Bax was functioning to his template you know so he had his KB tracksuit, JC tracksuit, yeah. <laughs> clipboard, and went around saying, "This is how you do it," and, and that, that's what we. Well, that team that owe him. the one the Ajax team that beat uh, who was it? Was it AC Milan? They beat Milan with Clivert's goal late on. Clivert, that's who. And then I think reached the, the final again the following season and lost on penalties to Juventus. That's right. Yeah. And then after that, they get absolutely raided, didn't they? Yeah, the Bosman law. The Bosman they law just meant get they, they, they dismantled. Could go. Yeah, and that was maybe the starter. Right, you're never going to see a team like what I'm saying about the expiry date and the cycle is that is obviously going to happen. And it will happen. They were lucky to get two seasons Granted, out of that team yeah, still yeah, staying there. Yeah. And a lot of them moved on and never... Van der Sar went to Juventus and was judged a failure. Davids and um, Kluivert went across and it wasn't until Davids reached he, a different Le- era Le- in Juventus. Lippmann went to Barca and never really... The De Boers aren't re- regarded as great successes in Barcelona. Bogart was a strange case in that he just... He, I know he gave up. He was like, I'll go to Chelsea so I'd sign for a team that isn't, won't be in the Champions League because I hate his travelling. I hate being away from my family so I'll pick a club who won't be any good and of course they qualify for the first ever season in the Champions League and that fucks it up. Yeah, they were all, they, they went for different reasons but they went easily and it was easy to cherry pick and break aside, you know, this product that had been farmed and thought about for years and right, we'll have you and, and maybe yeah. that won't come again. Well, Seedorf and Davids, you would say, went on to oh. even better things but the rest of the team sort of just functioned as that. Unless I'm wrong, I think Davids, I, I could be, everybody can laugh at me later, I, I think Davids might originally have gone to Milan and failed and then gone to Juventus, I think. I, I, I could be, you know, I could be talking shite. But the majority of the, uh, Ivan de Sar came up in, in our chat with David Priest the other day and David's a good goalkeeper and a good analyst and a smart man and we asked him to choose 
best ever Premier League goalkeeper. And he made a really good case about why Schmeichel's only close and Van der Sar is better. And it was articulate, it was interesting, and it's only his choice, it's not fact. But to hear him talking like that about that, and Manchester United's footballers from that year are talking about him like that, and to think that he was regarded as a failure at Juventus and was bought by Fulham. Well, that's when, when Ferguson Not, not Man United him, directly. No, that's right. When Ferguson signed him, you thought, oh, he's a bit past it, isn't he? Look, Van der Sar, or Fulham, and then he went on to even more success. And, and, and the sad thing is, by, by the time they're losing certain other second semi-final, eh, second final against Barcelona, maybe he was just a little bit past it. But, you know, he wins... The Champions League for a second time with them in Moscow and, and, and saves that penalty, which is maybe it was from an Elka in, in the shootout. And, and a true great. He signed a few shocking keepers, didn't he? Ferguson. Are we talking about Taibi? Because it better not be Jim Layton. Taibi, that's right. No, no. Thank you. <laughs> Who else did he sign? Mark Bosnich. Did Ferguson sign him for Manu? He, he did, yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Bosnich was crazy. I'm trying to. Was it with Taibi? Was he the guy that Taibi was the through his legs? Aye, that's the guy I'm talking about. He, he kind of looked like an out of work bouncer with his massive, great big floppy <laughs> hair, his long baggy uh, trackies, playing in goal for Man United. And you used the phrase competition winner. Andy Gorham, did he not? Andy, Andy went down there. Andy Gorham Andy from Man United. Well. Right? Andy Gorham, Fergie told him when he went down there, uh, the goalie um, told me that he was like, We're going to sign. Who is that wonderful Japanese footballer from Udinese? Nakata. We're going to sign Nakata. Um, you know, you're coming to a club where we're doing things. We're going to sign Nakata. I don't really want him as a footballer. So this is when Gorham signed, but it's all about marketing now. We need an Asian in there. Not really that I think Celtic went through a spell like that as well. Just and and but that, they did, and and it's true. Barcelona are trying to bring Korean kids through the youth system. Everybody's looking for the great breakthrough Asian superstar to make money. Never mind that the kid might be brilliant at football, but sadly that's how it is. But that was way back, and you, 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 Gordon explained that in a way that made me think. Well, Alec fully bought into that phenomenon. It wasn't just about the the academy and the trophies and the brand of football and the swashbuckling and my wage when I keep winning on my bonuses. It was also like I'll buy into the club's need to sign an Asian, whether I want him or not. Yeah. And and eventually they get Koreans, and he doesn't play part so in one of the made finals. Ferguson such. Yeah. A one-off because he, he evolved with football, didn't he? Like he was, he was there at the old school. And I remember the Aberdeen? I think the, was it Rangers they beat in the cup final. And it, but Ferguson was unhappy. He was Immediately going, after Gothenburg, you're right. Yeah, he was going time. crazy. Correct. So he's went through that spell when you could shout and you know, go absolutely nuts at your players to then having to manage yeah. egos and like he constantly evolved with to manage corporately and to accept the, the sort of corporate idea. But we're going to sign an Asian player for the marketing. I agree with you, you're right. But to come to go into that, you're signing a guy for marketing reasons, but you've also come through governorship building mentality with players. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system.
it's not the same, but it relates into Guardiola because it's not identical to what you've just said. But like Guardiola, if you look at the Amazon project, where I mean, I know you have your doubts about it, but what what I've heard Guardiola say in private a lot is, "No, I work for the club." Now there are certain things where he'll say, "No, there's a line in the sand," but if they if the club says this is important to us, sponsorship wise, image wise, corporately. To a certain extent, Guardiola will say, yeah, I'm only an employee. Whereas Ego could say, no, you can all fuck off, I'm Pep Guardiola. Which is something that is, generically, it's similar to... Anyway, that's too long a point I'm making, big because I know you watched the Amazon series. Before we wrap up... I watched the first couple of episodes. I thought it was good. It's an interesting insight into like behind the scenes at an elite level football club. But I just find that maybe it was a bit staged because you're going... How much does Guardiola really want to review? You know, he's doing the tactical, this is how we're going to operate for a defensive corner or whatever. How much does he really want to put on to the public domain that this is the way I view these situations or whatever? So I don't know if he'd done an actual tactical talk and then he said to the team, listen, we've got these Amazon cameras, so we're going to talk a load of shite and make it look great for the telly, but... I don't, I don't know, know if I'm being too cynical. I don't know what the Catalan is. We'll just find something up for the bit. They, um, I don't know, maybe because that book, the, the German. Uh, yeah, the, the, you're sitting with this. The, you're talking about the publishers of um, yeah. Pep Confidential. Pep Confidential. No, oh. the Pep Confidential, because he, he was very open in that book. Yeah. But I think he said to the author, didn't he? He said in the book, look. He did say to Marty Perry. I'll give you a candid view. Everything that I go, everything goes on at training, as long as you don't publish it until the end of the season. You're, you're bang on. So That's maybe exactly the Amazon thing right. was the same thing, and I'm wrong. But I just found it a bit like. I enjoyed it, it was great. Given I've seen how maniacal he is about privacy, and Luis Enrique is worse, I, I back your idea. It's, but it also, I think on, on his terms, he'd rather not have had any of it, never mind how much he paid or managed to, like the, the incident where Mourinho's been called out a little bit in it and it caused a bit of a fuss. He, he's, Guardiola's intent on keeping that rivalry at a tiny low ebb and being as friendly as possible. He's never quite acknowledged it really, has he? he, he it's a tactic he does not want, he, he hated, as much as I enjoyed watching it, he hated that 2011 Classical Wars time. Drained him, there was an aftermath. Didn't like having somebody coming after him personally, and he doesn't. He didn't want it in Manchester at all. And I think that if you look at the state of the two men, you know, one of them who's at battle with the world, and one of them who's quite low profile and has bent his preferences to talk more to Sky to keep them off his back. And, and I think Pep's managing the whole strategy of being in Manchester with Mourinho better than Mourinho is, in, in my personal view. Right. So we, we need to close because of your time, and I need to give you a difficult one sent from Bet Three Six Five, the best footballer that you've seen live and I think by the best footballer it, it might open up the concept that not the one that you're most you know indebted to in your life so you can say Henrik but they are asking a difficult question because you've seen one hell of a lot of moments live with, with great great footballers like performance wise you can, you can choose you can choose you can choose you need to go somewhere a bit more niche I remember the first time I ever really like acknowledged a performance was I remember Celtic played Dynamo Zagreb or Croatia Zagreb they were called at the time and Robert Prozanecki oh. played and that night he said it part of it it was when I was first kind of maturing into like acknowledging the game mm-hmm. and not just the strikers the actual the guy that could dictate and I remember the way he played that night I remember saying to my dad because like, we'd seen him in Euro 96 remember Croatia mm-hmm. had that great team with Bilic, Prozanecki and mm-hmm. Davos Sukar and Vlajevic the, the strip was iconic wasn't it I don't know if you'd I'd never seen a strip like that before ever I don't think the, the sort of red and whites not even quarters are just squares all over it yep. and they stood out didn't they well him that night I remember watching him just going wow that was amazing to watch and then I heard that he smokes like 20 fags a day 
but he, he played the way he could have played that game with a fag in his mouth. And it, just, <laughs> it was the first time I'd seen a guy just dictate the flow, and or, or the first time I'd acknowledged that this is another way of appreciating the football. So him, Messi, I'm actually sad that he's 31 <laughs> because. There's only going to be a few years left of what like, I think you'll ever see a guy like that again. It's like watching a sh- performance; it's a show. When you put when you see Messi in full flight, I think there's a better thing in football. I've never seen. I was really pleased that you took Andy to see a game where it ended. I think three two. Messi got the winner. It might have been the Super Cup, but the winner in the last minute for an Adriano cross. I remember before I met him, you talking about your dad's love of football and his understanding of football, and that he had a good good football head and I remember that night meeting you afterwards and thinking I'm really glad he's been here and I bet it feels good to have taken him there to see this this guy in it was the, the Super Cup I think it was the Super Cup for like Monday night they just moved it to a Monday night for some reason about half past that was the 5 nil where they moved to Monday night uh, this, this one ah, was like there was a, the Super Cup was a late kick off as well it was but listen Spain man Spain 10 o'clock midnight the first time I was ever in the, the new camp for a Barca game was uh, Barca Atletico I'm pretty sure it was 6-2 to Barca, but Sergio Aguero scored the two goals for... That was a good game was, to it watch. Was, it was the one where uh, Messi takes a free kick there if he says you can take anyone anytime you want. And I think it's Leo Franco, maybe. I'm not I'm not certain about that. Who's on the near post organising as well. And Messi just bends it in. That's it's right. It's about five of the goals come in the first 20 minutes. But even though they get hammered, you mm-hmm. came away thinking... Who was that boy? Who was the wee man? Aguero, mm-hmm. no, for Atletico as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. I've seen, I've seen most of the players. I'm gutted I never ever seen Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. I've never seen him in the flesh. Well, we're we're, we're going to fix that this season. So long as you can find time in your schedule, we're going to go and have a cup of tea with him as he watches his club. Cup of tea with a bargain player. bucket. He looks Maria. He a looks do- like a donut kind of guy, doesn't he? It's a difficult one to close <laughs> on from Bet365. How do you think Celtic, and this is the end, how do you think Celtic would fare if they were allowed to play in the Premier League? I think it would be a massive success because like, people are people answer that question based on Celtic right now with the finances. Obviously, right, and I still think we would do alright. I still think we would be mid-table or whatever. I think they would be relegated, but then you factor in the TV money, I think Celtic would be a, a force. If you've, you know, the TV money, the global support and all that stuff, but also I, I think it would be great for the Premiership. You'd have an extra element. You know, you'd, have, you'd have great, imagine like Celtic Chelsea at home, Celtic Man United would be, I think the Premiership will begin to fizzle a bit because a lot of the games are just a bit... Not very skillful and quite dull. Aye, exactly. And again, it's competitive, but it's just, I don't know, it just leaves me really underwhelmed when so I watch bef- Premiership games. So it's, before they start playing... Liverpool and Man City are amazing to watch Spurs but some Super Sunday are just a bit like nah don't know if I can be bothered with this so like, before they start playing Chelsea Burnley in Hong Kong as the next that's what I mean it's there, just going to go insane why not you know play I think they're going to need to freshen up the Premiership mm-hmm. to keep it marketable or, or to keep actual football I understand they're just trying to tap into the mm-hmm. selfie stick kind of market but if you, well, you want to keep it like football wise and a, a good league to what I think you'd need to bring in a different element and I think if they brought in Celtic and Rangers, then I think it would be. Well, you watch Cardiff playing in the Premiership one more. We'll it's not for me. It's and, and in that like, brave why can't future, be Celtic and Rangers. That brave future you've outlined. It's it's kind of the championship flag at Petodre every year. So right. where do I sign? <laughs> On which note, uh, Kevin Bridges, thank you for joining us again. Thank you for being so generous with Pleasure. your time. It's friendship aside. It's really really good to to share this and enjoy it. And I'll see you in Valladolid this season. Thank you for joining us for season 2018-19. We've got huge creative plans for the months ahead, but we do need your help to make them happen. 
please go right now to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and become a social, become a paying member and get an extra big interview every month plus loads of bonus content. Last season, socios listened to nine exclusive big interviews including Rafa van der Vaart, Troy Deeney, Roberto Di Matteo and loads of me talking about football. The Premier League, the Champions League, Spanish football. I'm sure they enjoyed it and you will too. Support us, join us. Thank you.